Coming up on Chasing the Natty, week 7 has arrived and it feels like a good time to take some inventory on where we are so far in the season and compare it to what our preseason expectations were. To help us out with that, an old friend rejoins the show today and as always, we'll be touching on some of the big time matchups for this weekend and what we're looking for in them, followed by, of course, another round of your fan submitted start and sit scenarios for this weekend. All this and more coming right after this. Junior touchdown! Marvelous Mark! Ball next to the outside, dropped down for Franklin! A majestic touchdown! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Wednesday morning. We are the College Fantasy Football Podcast on the Campus of Canton Podcast Network. You can find us on all of your podcast feeds and on YouTube every Monday and Wednesday morning during the season at 6 a.m. sharp. If you want to support the great work we are doing here, head on over to campusofcanton.com and subscribe there with one of our amazing tiers. You'll find everything you need for your CFF, Devi, C2C, and betting needs, including articles, rankings, projections, tools, and even more than that. You can also find me and the show on Twitter. I am at CFF underscore Jared, and the show is at Chasing the Natty. You can also find this guy right, oh, pointing the wrong way, this guy right over here on Twitter at CFF Nate. Mr. Nate Marquise, welcome back to the show, man. It has been a minute. How are you doing? How's the season treating you? Awesome, dude. I am excited to be back on the horn with you. It has uh, definitely been too long, so um, I'm happy to fill in. I'll do my best volume pigs impression throughout the uh, the entire show and and uh, just try to find all the guys that scoop up all the targets and all the carries, and uh, and those will be the ones that I want to start in our sit-start discussion. So, yeah, I'm excited, man. This is uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and the season treating your uh, Sooners well as well. I mean, that, like I've been I've been advocating they're a top five team right now. They've looked really good throughout the entire season. You got the big win over Texas. I bet that felt good to shut up the Longhorns for a bit. That was uh, that was some of the most I've screamed over a, uh, a course of two hours in a really, really long time. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch in Brent. We trust, I guess, uh, it's <laughs> nice to see Oklahoma with an actual defense for the first time. in, in what seems like, uh, you know, five or six years since the Bob Stoops tenure, uh, or even maybe since Brent was our defensive coordinator. So, uh, it, it feels good and, uh, it's nice to, uh, I guess be bowl eligible and and looking forward to you know the rest of uh, the season and see how it shakes out. That's true. I'd even consider yeah, like the, all, all the undefeated teams are, te- are technically bowl eligible by this point, except except for USC, I guess, because they already had one of their bye weeks. So we'll, we'll figure all that yeah. out. Anyway, yeah, Oklahoma was actually the first team bowl eligible because they played. That's right. Uh, they had the early game. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The first new, team you had the new game. Uh, <laughs> you, you you cheated on that one. We had we had to Matt- wait until we had to wait until at night to uh, beat down Kentucky. So yeah. Um, anyway, we got a loaded show today. Again, we got a lot to talk about here, so and we got to get through this relatively quickly. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get right to it. 
We're going to start with a different segment here today. Um, again, we're about halfway through the season. And one thing I really wanted to kind of look at real quick was, again, like, I guess put up some accountability for the college fantasy community. Kind of see, like, look at ba- look back at ADP, look at our preseason expectations, and kind of see, like, what surprised us so far. Again, every year there are guys that come out of nowhere. But how do we do overall in terms of, you know, promoting the guys that should score well for you in your fantasy leagues? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at, again, I have up on screen the top 12 quarterbacks who have scored, or the top 12 quarterbacks from ADP, and then right there on the right, I have the top 12 quarterbacks from so far this season. And we're not going to go through all 12 of these guys on both lists because, quite frankly, we would be here for four hours, and we do not have that kind of time. So if you want to ask more about some of these guys, feel free to look at the graphics on YouTube and reach out to me or Nate on Twitter. But Nate, I have highlighted in red on the ground or on the chart on the left those are probably i would say the biggest quote-unquote busts among the top 12 quarterbacks which are frank harris kj jefferson and tyler shuck varying degrees of bustness there some of them a bit due to injury like frank harris and tyler shuck but also like even without their injuries they haven't really performed exactly what we want to have there which one of those three i say would be the biggest surprise to you and what do you think we can learn moving forward from those three busts for the college fantasy community? Well, two of them have a pretty significant track record of injuries. Uh, Frank Harris, obviously, this is like his uh, 17th year in college because he's had injuries uh, for the first uh, 16 of them, it seems like. But um, Tyler Shuck, also, you know, a guy that's uh, made of paper mache, it seems like, and and he had injuries at Oregon and he's had injuries at Texas Tech. So I would have to say we we shouldn't be surprised by those two, right? Um KJ Jefferson uh, is somebody that has been healthy, has played every game that he's been available this year, uh, or he's been available in every game. But obviously, he had the coaching change, yep. and I think I think that's the big the big change for him is that uh, losing Bryles and and now having a whole new uh, basically a whole new offensive staff there uh, has has definitely impacted him, and it and it shows. And let's be honest, man, this they haven't even gotten to the thick of SEC play yet. You know, nope. this is with uh, a handful of non-con games that should be easy for him to carve up and, and just has not played out that way you think it also has to do with the fact they lost raheem sanders earlier in the, early in the year so it was kind of harder for them to have that kind of balance attack there potentially i don't know yeah i mean potentially i mean obviously it gives it it, it makes it challenging for him to open up things downfield but I, I think it also is is more due to the staff and then i mean you were talking about a a wide receiver room that was totally depleted uh, after last season they brought in i mean they brought in like five or six transfers just to fill you know have some warm bodies in that wide receiver room yeah the only thing i'll also point out here is i kind of touched on this at the start of the segment here is that frank harris and shuck you point out their injury that yes that's obviously the issue an issue we got to consider in the future but like they weren't performing super well before that point. I mean, Frank Harris was probably one of the biggest disappointments to start the season. And Tyler Shuck, I mean, we always say it's like, oh, it's a Zach Kitley quarterback. But Nate, you've been kind of pointing out that maybe Kitley wasn't the key there. And given what we're seeing at Washington State, maybe Ben Arbuckle was the guy that was really, because he was a quality, quality control analyst for Kitley at both Houston Baptist and Western Kentucky. Maybe he was the key to keeping that offense going. I, I think that's I think that's a great point you bring up there. Yeah, I'm, I've been kind of beating that drum a little bit on Twitter is that we we have seen we saw Western Kentucky after, um, you know, after 
that coaching staff or after that OC left and went to Texas Tech, Western Kentucky kept rolling under mm-hmm. Ben Arbuckle, right? Um, Kitley's, you know, we we all wanted a piece of that uh, offense, but Texas Tech didn't perform at the same level that Western Kentucky did last year, and they're not performing at that level this year. Arbuckle goes over to Washington State, and they look phenomenal. And what happens, I'm actually going to touch on this in an article I got coming out later this week, is that we've actually seen a little bit of a drop at Western Kentucky since Ben Arbuckle left. So uh, to me, it really looks like the trend here, the pattern we're seeing is Ben Arbuckle is is really the brilliant mind that's that's the one we want a piece of. For sure. Going to the other side of the chart here, we had three quarterbacks who were drafted outside of the top 20 rounds in CFF ADP this year that are in the top 25 right or in, excuse me in the top 12 right now that would be Ca- Thomas Castellanos the Boston College quarterback transfer from UCF you got Haynes King quarterback out of Georgia Tech and then you got Kadon Salter the quarterback out of Liberty again like I said all these guys drafted outside the top 20 rounds these are the ones who quote-unquote came out of nowhere but Nate which of those three could should we have seen coming Salter definitely Salter um because we knew that that was a, you know, we know that his upside as far as being a dual threat quarterback, uh, he showed flashes of it last year under Hugh Freeze there at at Liberty. But with that new staff coming over, he seemed like a perfect fit for that new staff. But the problem was we just couldn't buy into it because we kept hearing all these rumblings that it wasn't going to be his job, that somebody else was going to win that gig. And lo and behold, he wins it and turns out, yeah, he's he's actually really, really fun in that offense. So I, I think that's probably the one we should have saw coming. For sure. What about Castellanos and King? What can we learn about those two that we should we should apply for fantasy in the future? Are they are they kind of flukes? Or like we there's no way we could have seen it coming? Or do you think that there's something there we should have seen? I you tell me, man. You're the one that called out Buster Faulkner and said I did. he's uh, he's a legit he's a legit <laughs> OC and and that Georgia Tech could be you know on on the the right trend here with with that hire. So kudos to you because it's playing out that way at least in year one for Georgia Tech. So yeah, I, for I, sure. I don't, we've seen a lot from Haynes King. It's hard to believe that this is the product that we're getting now after. Uh, but, you know, what are you going to do? It's Jimbo Fisher. Maybe that's the problem. We should have given a little bit more credence to uh, Haynes King and his abilities if he got out of that uh, rigid, conservative Jimbo offense. Yeah, I think with Haynes King, part of it is that Georgia Tech hasn't had a bye week, and I do rank my top quarterbacks by total points throughout this season. I know you and I disagree on that a little bit, Nate. But, um, yes, but still, like regardless, he's a top 20 quarterback even in fantasy points per game right now. I think it's just been the consistency. Like, I don't think he's scored less than 20 points this entire season versus other QBs have just had straight duds at different points. So maybe he keeps that throughout the season. Maybe that becomes a valuable system if you just want a guy that's going to have you 25, 30 fantasy points on any given week. Castellanos, we didn't know that he was going to start. He didn't start the year, to be fair. Right. And I don't think anybody would have been smart drafting him back then. I think that's not a fluke per se, but I think it just... Right time, right place for him. You picked him up off the waiver wire. Those kind of guys happen every year. Let's move on to running backs, Nate. Three running backs um, that I would consider, I would say, big-time busts um, so far in fantasy this year. Sia Ben-Gira, RB7, uh, currently RB16 in total points, RB118 in points per game. Uh, Kavorian Barnes, running back at UTSA, currently drafted as RB11, Currently RB one nineteen in total points and RB one twenty one in points per game, and then the big bust of them all, probably I would say the biggest bust in college fantasy this year, J 
Jaquindon Jackson, running back at Utah, drafted as the RB12, currently the RB255th so far this season. Nate, what happened with these three? What lessons can we learn? Well, we still have Maction, and and we still have, uh, you know, American Athletic play for Bangura and Barnes. So I, I think there's still hope yet there for them, even though, um, you know, they've had some opportunity and haven't really produced with it. Um, and Jackson's just, I, I, you know, he's got a high ankle sprain right now. Um, it, it would be surprising if he, even if he played this week, but there, there were, there were signs that that, that run game was just going to struggle a little bit. They struggled at times last year and he seemed to save them. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that he's not healthy, he's not there to, to perform at that same level. So, um, it's still a little bit of hope out for those other two though. Yeah, definitely a little bit of hope. Again, Kavorian Barnes got banged up a little bit. He's kind of slowly been coming back as well. So you're kind of hoping that he'll get more and more volume as the season goes along. Bangura, I think not only, again, obviously Ohio playing outside the Mac, there's still hope there. That's why I didn't mark Marquez Cooper as a bus, even though he's currently like RB 128 in points per game right now, because like dude started off the year playing against Kentucky and Georgia. And like, I yeah. forget there's one other one where it was just like, no way you would ever start him. His value is coming later. Probably the same thing for Bangira there. I think it's a nice call out there. But also, I think that Ohio offense just isn't as productive as we wanted it to be before the season started. And that's kind of limiting his scoring opportunities there. What about the top 12 running backs so far this season? Two guys that went undrafted in leagues here. Ishmael Mahdi, the running back out of Texas State. And Penny Boone, the running back out of Toledo, finishing or currently RB3 and RB12 in total points, respectively. Nate, either one of these guys, should we have seen it coming? Or like what? And if we couldn't, maybe what could we learn for next year? I, I think it's pretty much impossible to seen, uh, to, to have foreseen Mahdi doing what he's doing right now. I mean, he's, he's scoring touchdowns at, uh, really at a rate we we have not seen in a number of years. Uh, so that that stuff's pretty incredible. And it looked like that running, that backfield was a little bit of a mess to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and he was a guy that was only getting a handful of touches for the first couple of weeks anyway. So that, yeah, that's impossible to see. Penny Boone is, you know, we we had hopes for him. He, he disappointed us last year and we're starting to see what we had hoped we would have seen last year actually come to fruition now, but he's also been uh, the beneficiary of, of some injuries in that backfield. And so I think that's, that's helped. He's got that job and he's running with it, man. He's, he's performing really, really high clip right now. Yeah. He could definitely be a potential league winner. Once Mac really starts going around there, let's talk about some wide receivers here real quick among the top 12 wide receivers. I would say the wide receivers is probably where the college fantasy community did their best. Like, I just want to run through this real quick. Malachi Corley, wide receiver one, currently wide receiver 14. Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver 29 in fantasy points per game. Torrey Horton, wide receiver four, currently wide receiver one in fantasy points per game. Roma Dunze, wide receiver five in ADP, wide receiver five in points per game right now. Jalen McMillan, he's been injured, but he was drafted as a wide receiver six and currently wide receiver nine in fantasy points per game. So when he's been out there, he's been productive. Jacob Cowling, drafted as wide receiver 7, currently wide receiver 25 in fantasy points per game. Jamari Thrash, wide receiver 8 in ADP, currently wide receiver 23. Uh, Joshua Cephas, drafted as wide receiver 9, currently wide receiver 37. Devontae Walker was drafted as wide receiver 10, but I gave that an NA. Screw you, NCAA. Uh, We'll see how he goes the rest of the season. I'm not quite ready to pass judgment on that one yet. 
And then Xavier Worthy, probably the worst out of the top 12 here outside the two we're about to talk about. Wide receiver 11, currently wide receiver 75 in fantasy points per game. Nate, real quick, before we get to the two guys that we consider bust at the moment, what do you think the college fantasy community did well this year to kind of nail down the wide receivers this year compared to last year where it was kind of a bloodbath in terms of yeah. how like the wide receiver ADP last year? Trusting the systems. Um, trusting the systems. I mean, a lot of these guys thrash going into that that Braum system. And we A lot of these guys, we'd seen it before because they're in a good system. The Washington guys, uh, the Arizona guys, uh, you know, it's just... Uh, you know, Cephas, Cephas is, has been, a, you know, a little bit of a benefited from Clark being out a little bit, but still it's that system. We've seen them do it and they're very productive with it. So I think, I think that's primarily the reason there. Yeah, for sure. I would definitely agree. And I think one lesson we learned big time from last year was not to overvalue transfer wide receivers. I think last year, a lot of people were really big on bringing in transfer wide receivers this year. Transfer wide receivers, I noticed this during the offseason, way down in ADP compared to the year before. Pretty much the only guy that we, or the only two guys that we saw were Jamari Thrash and Devontae Walker up this high. And like you said, Thrash was totally system-based and Walker really was kind of more talent-based and system-based given what uh, UNC's been doing the last couple of years. What about these two busts here? Emeka Igbuka drafted as a wide receiver three, currently wide receiver 109 in total points and wide receiver 106 in fantasy points per game. And then Squirrel White, wide receiver 12 as in terms of ADP, but currently wide receiver 231 in total points and 277 in points per game. What happened with those two guys right there? Well, Igbuka, it's... I don't know. It, we, who really knows what's going on with Ohio State's offense right now? Obviously, quarterback plays not at the same caliber they've had in the past. Um, they've got a new, you know, uh, offensive coordinator now. It's it's really hard to tell on that. So, uh, as far as Squirrel White's concerned, I mean, he's somebody that you know I wrote about as as being our strong dynasty prospect at the middle of last season, and then all of a sudden. Like he's going, he's going crazy high. We talked about it many times with Chris K. I'm like, I don't understand why Squirrel White's going this high. When I talked about him being a dynasty asset, I meant as like, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth round type guy, not a guy mm -hmm. that's going in the top four or five rounds. So I just think that that was kind of like the Miles Price situation where, uh, okay, we love this offensive coordinator. Uh, we think this is going to be the guy because he showed a few things. Now let's go bananas and draft him. And everybody wants a piece of him and his value just keeps going up and up yeah for sure let's talk about some wide receivers who are doing well so far this year again among the top 12 wide receivers there are three that went undrafted during the season we got the wide receiver three currently brian thomas the wide receiver out of lsu at wide receiver six we got malik washington the wide receiver out of virginia and at wide receiver 10 we got jalen royals the wide receiver out of utah state real quick nate of those three guys, which one surprises you the most? And what can we learn from all three of those guys? I'll say Royal surprises me the least. So props to you. I know you've you've definitely hyped him up uh, some throughout this season because he's in a system that we have seen multiple players be very successful there at Utah State uh, under under Anderson there. The the other two, I mean, come on. we Ryan Thomas, we haven't seen uh, Jalen Daniels support really one wide receiver, let alone two. We haven't seen... Uh, Brian Kelly do that. So yeah, nothing indicated that there were going to be two studs on that LSU 
uh, receiver room. Same with Malik Washington. I mean, come on. Virginia, are you kidding me? I'll tell you, Washington can play, though, man. He's a really good player. I I don't know what's going on in Virginia right now. That staff's like, screw it. We can't run. Let's let's just chuck it. Yeah, for sure. I I would agree with you that, like, you couldn't pay me to draft a wide receiver out of Virginia before the <laughs> right? season started. I hate that. I hate that offensive coaching staff over there. I would never have done it. But again, like you said, the staff has decided, hey, let's just chuck it. We can't run the ball. But also, like, putting in Colin Drea for m- multiple games, which I, Bud Elliott basically said on Twitter, like, he is the ultimate screw it he's down there somewhere freshman quarterback he's constantly chucking it deep and Malik Washington's a good receiver he's gonna benefit from that greatly the staff realized what they had they're like hey let's just keep throwing it to this guy so yeah good on here I will correct you real quick I'm not gonna take any credit for uh, that I don't deserve um I pointed out Jalen Royals at the like the very end of the offseason when I saw that he was a starter uh but I was not drafting him everywhere I was really big on Terrell Vaughn who's wide receiver seven I was I I will take credit for that one but Jalen Royals Nah, I'm not going to pretend like I knew that there was going to be two top 10 wide receivers in this Utah State offense. We were, given their QB so far, so play so far this year, like, given how inconsistent it's been, it's honestly shocking to me that there's two top 10 wide receivers in out of that system right now. But here we are. So that's a little recap of, like, you know, preseason expectations versus what we see now, what lessons we can learn. I thought that'd be a fun discussion. Let's get back to what we would normally talk about. And let's run through a couple of big matchups for this weekend. Uh Uh-oh, something's going on with the graphics there. I guess we're rolling with that tonight. Anyway, let's talk about a few high-scoring games here. We'll run through these pretty quickly. We'll start with Temple versus North Texas. Over-under of 70.5. North Texas favored by six points here. Nate, looking at this game, the thing that stands out to me was EJ Warner in the Temple offense last week, just finally lighting it up against an opponent in UTSA. They get a pretty good matchup here in North Texas. Is it legit? Can we expect another good week out of EJ Warner and the Temple passing game? And if so, who are you targeting on Temple's receiving game that might be an interesting play for people this week who are struggling on the waiver wire? I I do think Tipple can keep it up. I mean, what they pass the ball like seventy times uh, last game. Yeah, that's not even hyperbole. I mean, that's I think they legit threw it like seventy times. Um, Yeah, I mean, this North Texas defense, I I don't think is anything that should worry you much. I think North Texas of the two teams, ironically, is the one that might actually try to run the ball to try to get some type of clock management going. Um, Tipple doesn't even try anymore, uh, which is great. We love it. Um, You know, as far as which particular one I'm I would be eyeballing I mean Dante Wright had close to like 13 or 14 targets in his return uh last week so that's that's a little interesting John Adams comes out of out of nowhere, uh, nowhere. To, to to storm Philadelphia and and get his uh his like 12 targets or something like that last 15. game so 15 targets so uh you know those two interest me if you're gonna throw the ball 60 plus times a game uh where's it going i'm interested in those guys so yeah i was it anderson that was out um last week so i think we just have to keep our eye on that because that could play a role in exactly where these targets are going to be funneled no absolutely for sure and then again um david martin robinson the tight end there he is available in a bunch of leagues i think he's still below 30 percent roster i talked about him on the waiver wire this week definitely would go after him on the north texas side you kind of mentioned it, nate they're more likely to try to run the ball in this game and for good reason. Temple's rushing defense is horrendous. They are bottom 30 in the country. In fact, they might be even worse than that. They might be bottom 10, if I remember correctly. They're absolutely horrendous. And Ayo Adie, 
is starting to separate himself in this North Texas backfield here. He's had 300-plus yard rushing games the last three games. He's got another really good matchup here. He is somebody I absolutely, if you're struggling at running back for this week, maybe bye week's killing you right now, absolutely go and grab him right there. And then, obviously, I think both the quarterbacks, again, Chandler Rogers, I think our projections actually might have Chandler Rogers as a top three uh, quarterback for this week. And I don't blame it whatsoever. Again, between Temple's terrible rushing defense and also North Texas's willingness to pass the ball around with Chandler Rogers, which that's honestly one of the biggest surprises this year, in my opinion, is that Chandler Rogers can actually throw the football. Yeah. Go figure. But anyway, that's my thoughts on that game. Let's keep it moving here. Let's go talk about the top 10 matchup that everybody's talking about this weekend, and that is Oregon versus Washington. Washington, the three point favor here, over under of 67. This is a fantasy player's dream right here. Again, you got two awesome offenses going up against each other. Both of them expected to put up well above 30 points here, at least according to Vegas here. Nate, we know the names. We know Michael Penix. We know Roma Dunze. We know Jalen Polk. We know McClellan. We, we know Knicks. We know all of those guys right there. Is there anybody here that maybe you would kind of throw out there as a sneaky name to watch or... Given the kind of general expectation of just high scoring all around, is there anybody that you would kind of throw out there as a caution? Like maybe you don't think they perform as well in this game because of what's going to happen here. I think I actually think number one, I'm so stoked for this game. I think it's oh, it's, it's awesome. going to be one of the one of the most entertaining games of the entire season. Uh, this is this is one that I have I had circled for a number of weeks that uh, is just absolutely must see TV. Uh, I think Bucky Irving is going to be a monster in this game. I think that he can. Um, I think that he can make some plays, and and Oregon's going to want to control the game a little bit as far as time of possession. But you know, this is this is a hey, start them all, spray them. Yeah. If you've got them, you start them in this game, right? Um, I, I think probably Tez Johnson, somebody maybe is flying a little bit under the radar that I think could have a really nice game here. Uh, his connection with Bo Nix is obviously important and he's kind of started to kind of pick up some momentum as the season's gone on. So yeah, if you got him, start him, watch for Jalen McMillan, just to make sure that we're a hundred percent full go. A lot of coaches yep. want to say he's going to play and then it just doesn't happen. So, but yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I really don't have much to add. Like you said, this, this is just like, or like I said, this is a fantasy player's dream. This comes yeah. at the perfect time when a lot of people are, you know, struggling on the waiver wire. If you had Jalen Polk, who's had a really good season so far, but you're worried, maybe you're worried about McMillan coming back. Nah, I still, I would start all yep. three of them. I would put all three of them in my starting wide receiver lineup. If I had the choice in a league to do that, that's how confident 100%. I am that this game will be absolutely phenomenal for fantasy. Let's move on to the next one here. Another top 25 matchup here. USC versus Notre Dame. Notre Dame, the three-point favorite here. Over under of 63. Another fantasy dream right here. Again, close spread. Two good offenses when both of them are humming. Obviously, uh, there's been some rumors that uh, Sam Hartman has been nicked up a little bit, kind of indicating why Notre Dame's passing attack hasn't been as strong recently. But they also had two pretty difficult defensive matchups in Duke and Louisville and again Louisville not the greatest defense in the world I acknowledge that but at the same time like they're a lot better than USC is going to be this weekend I can tell you that much so Nate Notre Dame has been spreading the ball around a ton you are very familiar with Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch in their in their defense who Too would familiar. you be targeting for Notre Dame what'd you say 
the too familiar pain, pain, painful memories, painful memories. Um, <laughs> who out of Notre Dame, especially in that receiving core, would you be targeting as a potential option against this defense? Oh man, dude, that it's kind of a mess to target those guys. I, I honestly, uh, would target, I, I honestly would start Audric Estime. That would, that would be the main thing. And clearly sure. he's a, he's a must start, but I mean, you watched what, um, Jonah Coleman did what Scadaboo did. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you name it, throw a running back out there. USC can't tackle him. So imagine a full grown man like Audric Estime coming at him. So uh, I, I honestly think the the wide receiver court at, at Notre Dame is just too spread around. I, I wouldn't feel okay. confident starting anybody, even though this is a pretty awful, awful defense. No, for sure. And then USC, again, obviously Marshawn Lloyd has really taken over that backfield back there. That was something I called wrong at the beginning of the season there. Uh, again, similar deal with the wide receivers at USC. And I, this is something I called before the preseason is that there's just too many mouths to feed. But again, maybe we'll see. I think, I think I'd be okay with Brennan Rice yeah, as a choice. potential start here. Because again, like even if he's not seeing like uber amounts of targets, he somehow finds the end zone, it feels like, every single week for usc um but then other than that like it feels like a crapshoot i think it's fine if you want to take a taj washington or a dorian singer and stick them into your lineup because you're just kind of hoping for a touchdown there you're you're struggling at wide receiver uh there's no good options on your waiver wire or anything like that i think that's a fine strategy but i think you have to know that you're rolling the dice there for sure yeah all right last game we'll talk about here again going back to the group of five here UAB versus UTSA over under of 68 UTSA the 10 and a half point favorite here as we saw last week UTSA's defense can get diced up quite a bit and UAB has been throwing the ball a ton this year so this absolutely should be a matchup that should be on a lot of people's radar here Nate who is standing out to you in this matchup that could either perform better than we're expecting and could be a sneaky play off the waiver wire or is your home run player for this week that you think that like they could end this game with 40 points? Uh, the combination of uh, Frank Harris and, and Cephas, I think are, are obviously the the two that are the most absolute must starts here, but I'd feel super confident starting Zeno, uh, starting Amari Thomas as well, too. I think that they've shown enough over the last few weeks that uh, that, that, shootout potential is good enough in this one that I, I would feel pretty strong uh, with that, you know, with that combo as well. Yeah, for sure. I, again, I love Amari Thomas. I watched him again, a little bias here. I watched him in the Georgia game. He impressed the hell He's out good. of me. And when, He's and, when, real and, good. and when, when I saw that he was a true freshman, I'm like, no freaking way. So I tried to run and grab him on as many dynasty rosters as I could. And I was surprised <laughs> there were a couple of people that beat me to him. So like, well, well done to you guys out there. Um, but for, yeah, for sure. I would definitely go with that. Um, Taewon, uh Palmer might be another one I would take a shot on for UAB, kind of stick into your lineup if you're struggling in a flex position or a wide receiver position. He's had some really big weeks for UAB, and he's kind of been uh, Zeno's deep threat guy a lot of times. So if you're looking for maybe not a lot of targets, but some high-value targets when he does get them, that might be another guy I would throw out there as well. So that's it for the preview games. Let's go over and discuss some of the sit-and-start questions for this week. Let me go ahead and move us on. There we go. Nate, you've listened to the show. You kind of know how this works and everything. We get questions from 
everybody on Twitter every single week. That's why you should be following the at Chasing the Natty Twitter account. That way you can see the Twitter posts go up every Sunday or Monday sometimes when I forget to put it on Sunday. And you can post your sit and start questions. It's a little difficult now because uh, we got games starting on Tuesdays now and we are recording here on Tuesday. So we'll figure it out for you guys. We'll try to figure something else around that for those of you who need to have questions. Um beforehand oh nate i just saw your note in the on the sheet i knew i was forgetting to do something um dang it anyway we don't have time to go back and and fix that we're going without (laughs) the model tonight y'all my apologies i forgot to write down i I forgot to write down the numbers and quite frankly it's going to take us too long for me to look up every one of these guys dude it's all good you got me on the show today we don't need the model i'll be your model don't worry about it Nate, 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 Nate is in place of the model this week and for Justin I will beat this the, week. I will beat the computer. I'm better than Justin and the computer combined. No problem. Heck yeah. That's what no I like pressure. to hear. All right. No let pressure. me get our little tokens up here. And let's get started with the first question here. That comes to us from our buddy, Mr. Luke Probosco. He is asking us to start one quarterback between these three in a six-point passing touchdown league here nate we got daquan finn quarterback out of toledo going up against ball state a little action 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 there got davis brin quarterback out of georgia southern going up against james madison a little sunbelt fun belt action there and then we have cameron ward the quarterback out of washington state going up against arizona a little pack mac or pack action there I, I try to make all that rhyme and fun. Pa- and action? I can, Paction. 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 Action. I don't know. Anyway, I'll start off with this one. The six-point passing touchdown kind of changes things for me a little bit here. If this was a regular four-point passing touchdown, I probably would go Daquan Finn and hope the Maction really kind of got out of control there between Toledo and Ball State. But then it kind of got me thinking. With, point, with six-point passing touchdowns, I started thinking, which one out of these three quarterbacks, which one is most likely going to monopolize the touchdowns out of like all three of these should have high scoring games. The team totals for all three of these teams are going to be high this weekend. Which one of these guys is going to monopolize the touchdowns? And to me, that's easily Cameron Ward. Nakia Watson, he's a good running back, but he hasn't really been as much of a factor since Ben Arbuckle, Arbuckle came in, which is pretty much what we expected going into the season there versus Davis Brin. He has Jalen White. He's got O.J. Arnold, two serviceable running backs there who will take away some touchdowns right there. Daquan Finn. Obviously, he can run it in himself, but we were just talking about Penny Boone as a top 12 running back so far this year, and clearly, they're only just getting started with him, so he might be a bigger impact on Finn moving forward than we want to admit. So I'm going to roll with Cameron Ward going up against a soft Arizona defense here, which has been lit up by a litany of different offenses so far this year. Bounce back performance for Cameron Ward. They're not going to have two bad weeks in a row over there with Ben Arbuckle. He's the guy I'm rolling with. Nate, which one are you going with? I agree. Uh, that's that's my choice as well. The The debate, I think, is between Daquan Finn and Cam Ward. Uh, like you mentioned, though, I, I think... There's there's a there's a more likely scenario of Toledo just kind of putting the lockdown on Ball State, and then the second half is a lot of Penny Boone and just kind of grinding the clock for sure for Toledo because that defense is really good and Ball State's not very good at all. Um, so there's a scenario where that plays out. Arizona isn't afraid to get in a shootout mode with anybody, so um, I do think that there's more opportunity, higher ceiling for Cam Ward here. So that's my choice as well. Alrighty, starting off agreeing both a good and a bad thing for this show because it makes it very clear to Luke who we who we think he should go with here. 
I wish I had the model now because I'm curious what the model would say on this question. Maybe, maybe I'll post yeah. it. To, you know what? I'll post it to Twitter later, everybody. I'll post it to Twitter later. Anyway, let's move on to our next quarterback question. This one comes to us from A&ADFS. He is asking us to start one quarterback between these three. And I specifically chose this question because I was dealing with a very similar sit and start um, decision between two of the guys here. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this one, Nate. Uh, because you might help me make a decision here on who I should go with here. But the three guys we're looking at here, Jace Bauer, quarterback out of Central Michigan, or we can go with, or he's going up against Akron this week, or we can go with Darren Granger, the quarterback out of Georgia State, going up against Marshall, or we can go with Jalen Milrow, the quarterback out of Alabama, going up against Arkansas. Nate, of these three guys, which one are you, excuse me, which one are you going to start? Bauer's too risky for me right now. Um, so for for my elimination process, he would be the first one that I would eliminate. Um, as far as the one that I would start between Granger and Milrow, man, I I I would lean Milrow, but the more I think about it, I I think I'm actually going to go with Granger. And here's here's my reasoning. I like the upside of Milrow, but Arkansas Arkansas defense has been sneaky good at slowing down really good quarterbacks. Jalen Daniels didn't go buck wild on them. Uh, Jackson Dart struggled against them last week. Uh, and there was, there was one other one. I can't remember, but, um, and we saw Marshall kind of get into a little bit of a shootout with Virginia. Um, so give me, give me Granger and, uh, but it's, it's close between him and Milrow. Yeah. The two I was debating between in a league was down between Jace Bauer and Darren Granger. Mostly because, again, Bauer, you're right. He is super risky right now. Again, throwing two pick sixes against Buffalo, a terrible Buffalo defense last week. He's just not a good quarterback whatsoever. But Granger is going up against Marshall here. And according to the numbers, Marshall technically has the sixth best passing defense in the country. But, But I think it's a very similar situation to Southern Miss where their rushing defense is horrendous. They're 119th in the country. They're probably not having a ton of people pass on them because they can just run it down their throat. Well, what is Georgia State really, really good at? Running the ball, both with their quarterback and with their running back. And again, do I think that I'm probably going to get the best day out of Granger in the passing game? Probably not. But at the same time, like, I think he'll still be serviceable. And again, as I'm looking at Marshall's schedule so far... I'm starting to see why they have the sixth best passing defense in the country right now. Because the teams they played are University of Albany, FCS mm. school. Scary. East Carolina, who Mason Garcia was not good to start the year. Virginia Tech, who had either Grant Wells or Kyron Jones. Neither one are great at passing back then. Old Dominion, which is, like as you called them, Nate, the, one of the most psychotic teams in the country in terms of you never know what you're going to get out of them. And then this past week when they faced probably their first real quarterback in MJ Morris, they gave up a ton there. So I'm going to go with Darren Granger with the hope that that defense is a fraud in the passing game, certainly a fraud in the rushing game, which is a strength for Darren Granger. And I'm going to sit the risk that is Jace Bauer right there. And then you kind of touch, and again with Milrow, he's kind of the, if I was feeling like really safe, I'd probably go with Milrow. But I think I'm still going to roll with Granger there. We are two for two on agreeing on these questions so far, Nate. We got yeah. to we 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 get some tougher questions here so that we can uh, start disagreeing on these things. 
Just just to follow up on that one, I, I do oh, yeah. think that Gran Granger provides probably the safest floor of these three. Okay. There is a scenario where Jace Bauer, you know, those couple early picks and all of a sudden it's not his show anymore. Right. Um, and so I think Granger's got the nicest, the safest floor. But I mean, I, I do think he's got a, a strong upside, too. I mean, you talk about if their rush defense is porous there for Marshall, that's a really good running quarterback. You know, that's mm -hmm. that's that's one of the better running quarterbacks in the country. Sure. So. Uh, not out of the question that he could get you 75 to 100 on the ground, too. Uh, actually, you, the, you, you bring up a really good point about Bauer as well. Like, like you said, if he throws a couple picks, he probably gets benched. There's no way they're going to let him do that two weeks in a row when you have Bird Emanuel sitting right there, which, what the heck's going on there, by the way? Like, Bird Emanuel is doing fine. He gets sick for one week, and then all of a sudden it's Jace Bauer's job, and I'm like, what happened here? Anyway, we probably yeah, will never fun. know the answer to that one. Let's move on to some running back questions here. This one comes to us from our good buddy, John Lobb, the Gridiron Scholar. He threw this one underneath, and I had I just felt like I had to include a question of his. He's asking us between two Big 12 running backs going up against two Kansas schools here. We got Ollie Gordon, the running back at Oklahoma State, or we can go with Taj Brooks, the running back out of Texas State. Again, uh, Gordon going up against Kansas and Brooks going up against Kansas State. I am going to lean Brooks here, mostly because part of me sees what Ollie Gordon has seen over the last two weeks. He has looked great. Again, 18 carries, 21 carries the last two weeks, over six yards per carry. This isn't like Dominic Richardson was a couple years ago, where like he would get like maybe he get 20 carries, but he would do like two yards a carry. No, Gordon looks really, really good, and quite frankly, has been the catalyst for the re like why Oklahoma State has started looking a lot better over the last couple of weeks compared to how they started the season. And he has a really good matchup in Kansas, who's 93rd versus the rush. But I think I'm still gonna lean Taj Brooks here, mostly because. I've seen it for four weeks in a row with Taj Brooks. He has hit over 100 yards in, in four, every game the last four games for Texas Tech. Without Tyler Shuck, Zach Kitley relies probably more on Taj Brooks than he does Baron Morton. I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm kind of over Baron Morton at this point. It's clear Zach Kitley's never going to truly trust him to pass the ball 40, 50 times every single game, at least not while Taj Brooks is there. He seems very comfortable with Taj Brooks. Why not? He gets a hundred. He gets a hundred yards every time. He does rely on him, and I think he's going to rely on him again this week. Even though Kansas State's rushing defense is thirty-second in the country, there's still been some pretty decent performances by running backs. Again, like Kamani Vidal, eighty-nine yards against them. Um, Cody Schrader, ten carries, fifty-eight yards. That's still six yards per carry. The only reason he didn't get more is probably because of the shootout that that game was. I don't think that happens here. UCF, uh, their running backs, 32 carries, 133 yards, and a touchdown between the top two uh, running backs there. And then Oklahoma State, I just mentioned them. Ollie Gordon ran all over them last week um, to the tune of 116 yards and a touchdown. So I think that Brooks is going to be the, the safer pick out of these two. Gordon could be a flash of the pan performances the last two weeks. Maybe it's legit. I think both these guys will be good at the end of the day, but I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna keep with the consistency that is Taj Brooks right now. Nate, your thoughts, man? I dude, you summed it up better than I could. I don't, I don't know if there's a whole lot more that I could uh, that I could add on to that. I'm also uh, would lean Taj Brooks right here. I, I like that choice uh, for all the reasons that you said. I mean, this is a guy that 
I loved coming in this season. I drafted him literally, I think, in every draft except for the last draft that I did, which was my home draft, because I was <laughs> to the point where I was like, if Taj Brooks sucks this year, it's going to really cost me. At some point, I, I got to diversify a little bit, and I'm kicking myself because I didn't do it in my home draft as well, too. Uh, no, uh, this this offense has has changed since Tyler Shuck went down. Yep. Uh, and we were seeing that evolution even while he was still there. And they are really, really leaning on Tosh Brooks. This is a guy that could push 250 carries this year. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. No, absolutely, for sure. And like I, like I kind of touched on before, he's been doing it for multiple weeks at this point. Ollie Gordon's probably going to still do well this week. And I think both of these options are good. And honestly, Lob, yeah. un- unless your team's like doing like absolute numbers and like there's no way you can fit both of these guys in there, I think you should try to find a way that find find a way to get both these guys in your lineup because I think they'll both have pretty good weekends here. Yeah, when they're both good plays, go with the safe one. Right now, Tosh Brooks has got a, a better track record over the last you know handful of weeks than just the last two weeks for Ollie Gordon. Yes, sir. All right, moving on to our next running back question. This one comes to us from Cooper. He is asking us to start one running back between three guys here. We got Trey Benson, the running back out of Florida State, going up against Syracuse. Or we can go Nathan Carter, the running back out of Michigan State, going up against Rutgers. Or we can go LJ Martin, the running back out of BYU, going up against TCU. Nate, you are up first, sir. Which one of these three guys are you going to start this weekend? Yes, I get to I get to to funnel my inner my inner Justin, my inner volume pigs. I am going with the volume pig. I know Trey Benson is the most talented of this three. Um, I I like Nathan Carter, but I worry that that there's just no positive game script that Michigan State's going to find itself in anymore. Uh, so his carries could continue to diminish. I am going LJ Martin right here. I think that um, TCU is kind of broken right now. They they look a little lost, and I think BYU will. Now is where is that game at? Do we know between TCU and BYU? Uh, let me check for you real quick. Keep talking. Keep talking. Wait. I feel even more confident in this if it does happen to be in Provo, uh, just because they tend to play better at altitude against TC at Fort Worth. Ah, dumber. Uh, no worries. I still, I'm still going to stick with it. Um, LJ Martin is my, uh, my pick here. They don't really give the ball to anybody else uh, in the ground game there for BYU. So yep. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, the volume pick here. LJ Martin. I like LJ Martin quite a bit. And I think he, again, there's a there's a decent chance he's gonna have a pretty good week this weekend. Again, TCU's defense has been super up and down, so if they are gonna let him slip a little bit, he will take advantage of that, and he'll probably have a good weekend here. But like you said, Nate, when you have two good options, I'm probably gonna roll with the safe option here. And I do think that Trey Benson is probably the safest out of these three right now. Yes, he had a rough, rough start to the year here, no doubt about it. But I think I think he's starting to hit his stride again this past week. He finally kind of really hit that really big game that we've been looking for him. And if y'all remember, he didn't really do the great work that he did last year until the second half of the season. I think he's just a guy that take, maybe takes some time to get going throughout the season. Now that he's getting more comfortable seasons back and everything like that, he could go back the second half of the season to what he was doing last year. Um, again, when I'm looking at these three, these three guys... All three of them are clearly the lead backs on their team. And so part of me also wanted to look at some team totals here. Because again, like all these, again, Trey Benson, the thing I kind of worry about is that there's other options on that offense to score touchdowns there. So first I had to make sure that, you know, the team total is there enough to 
warrant saying he's probably going to find a touchdown. Team total for Florida State this weekend is 37 versus Syracuse. I think Trey Benson can find a touchdown or two within that point total right there. Versus Nathan Carter, his team's point total is at 18. That's... That's a big risk, and quite frankly, if I was if, if I could bet, I would bet Michigan State under 18 points this weekend. I just don't think that they're going to find. I, I I really don't think they're going to find the end zone hardly against that pretty good Rutgers defense. And then L.J. Martin against TCU, they got a team total of 24. I think they could hit higher than that. I think L.J. Martin could have a good weekend, but I'm still going to go with Benson, who is probably on the best offense of these three, and hope that he can find the end zone within it. So, all right, a good little disagreement there, Nate. <laughs> oh, got the tokens up there so you guys can see it now I'm going to put them back let's go talk about some wide receivers here Nate and yes. we'll go to the Rebel Way who is asking us to start two two wide receivers out of these three we got Tez Walker wide receiver out of UNC going up against Miami of Florida or we can go Kyle Williams the wide receiver out of Washington State who's going up against Arizona or we can go Amari Thomas the wide receiver out of UAB Going up against UTSA, we pretty much have already talked about two of these guys right here. And I had to include a question that involved Tez Walker because I think almost every wide receiver question asked this week involved Tez Walker. People want (laughs) to know, Nate, what are we doing with Tez Walker now that he's back? And we'll get to that here in a second. I'm just going to go ahead and make this quick, though. I'm starting of these two, Kyle Williams and Amari Thomas. Kyle Williams, we already talked about how I think that this is going to be a bounce-back week for the Ben Arbuckle offense and Cameron Ward. Kyle Williams is going to be involved in that. Again, do I think he may be the wide receiver one this week? Probably not. Again, I, I, I still trust Josh Kelly a little bit more in that regard, but Kyle Williams has been there week by week for the most part, so he's he'll probably end with a pretty good day here with the amount of touchdowns they're probably going to score against Arizona. He'll probably be a really good play. And then we talked about Amari Thomas earlier. That matchup against UTSA is golden. Um, again, only four targets last week, so a little bit worse than he has been doing, but at the same time, like, still found the end zone. Still hit a really long play of 49 yards right there. He's a freshman. He's going to have a little up-and-down performances, but I think he'll 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 perform well, I'm, or I'm willing to bet He's going to perform well against this UTSA defense this weekend. And then Tez Walker, quite frankly, again, if we were going to see a massive performance out of week or out of Tez Walker, we were going to see it last week as a big FU to the NCAA. Now, maybe he's still coming back and everything like that. But if I was like, I needed to see more out of him last week before I put him in my starting lineup. And quite frankly, he is absolutely a prove it prospect until I put him into my lineups right now. If he goes off this weekend, that's great, but I'm gonna sleep well at night knowing like, okay, I wasn't really I wasn't willing to roll the dice on that. So I'm gonna sit Tez Walker out of these three. And for all of you who ask questions about Tez Walker, more than likely, unless your other options are like awful, awful, I'm probably gonna lean your other options more than likely. Nate, I imagine you have some similar thoughts here, but I wanna hear from you. Yeah, I, I do. Um, you know, good good news for the Rebel Way. You and I are in agreement here. I, I do think Kyle Williams and Amari Thomas are the are the two options. Um, we've already talked about how we want some some options from that UTSA and UAB game because we think it, there's a lot of shootout potential there. Same thing with Washington State and Arizona, maybe a little bit less shootout potential, uh, but still pretty good options there. Interestingly enough, Tez Walker did lead them in targets uh, last oh, week really? I didn't even catch uh, that. in his first game back. I'd, I still think that Nate McCollum is the guy to own there moving forward. He's playing exclusively out of slot. They've moved Pesor over 
to the boundary. It's it's pretty much those three. Uh, so kudos to Chip Lindsay. I didn't think he had it in him, but he's actually figuring out a way to get the best players on the field at the same time. So that's really good. But yeah, um, I would be a little hesitant with Tez Walker. I would say the one thing to look out for for Kyle Williams if Lincoln Victor returns because we've seen his his volume rise with the absence of Lincoln Victor. Does that change if Lincoln Victor comes back this week? Because uh, it sounds like he's kind of 50-50 at this point. So uh, just keep an eye out on that. Again, I, I haven't heard 50-50. I've heard mostly doubtful for Lincoln Victor okay. this week. But I think that is a good point to point out, Nate. Because doubtful doesn't mean 100% out. He could still come right. back if if the if he gets cleared and everything. So definitely something to point out there. If he does come back, Nate, if, if Victor does come back, would you start Walker over Kyle Williams still? Or would you still play the matchup with Washington State and Arizona? I'd still play Kyle Williams. Okay. <laughs> No, fair enough. It's I, something I want to put in their brains, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it, when it comes down to it, I'm still probably starting Kyle Williams. I just had a feeling that the Rebel Way would reach out later and be like, "Oh, they yeah. brought up a good point with that. What what, what happens mm-hmm. if Victor does come back?" So, yeah, might as well answer that now. All right, fair enough. Move on to the next question here. After I move our tokens back, there we go. All right, next one comes to us from Mr. Austin Smith, asking us to start one in a PPR league. He is asking us to decide between Robert Lewis. Wide receiver out of Georgia State going up against Marshall, or we can go Pofale Ashlock, wide receiver out of Hawaii, or we can go Xavier Restrepo, the wide receiver out of Miami of Florida, going up against UNC this weekend. Nate, I'm glad that you have to go first on this one, because I'll be real. I had a hard time choosing on this one here. Also, um, real quick, not only is he asking us to start one, in terms of who's the highest upside out of these three, but he also he also wanted to know which one is most likely to hit twenty points. Like which one is like the safest option to hit twenty points. So not gonna do that with everybody, but I thought it was a good enough question to kind of bring out the different ways you can think about your sit and starts there. So Nate, highest ceiling of these three, the start, and then which one would you bet on the most to score twenty points this weekend? This one's real close uh, between Ashlock and Restrepo. For me, I've been super impressed with how Restrepo's played lately, and uh, they look good. And I do think that that Miami's going to have to toss the ball around to keep up with North Carolina a little bit. So, um, but I'll, I'll answer his question. the 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 twenty points, I I still think Ashlock has the best chance at that. Um, and I, boy. I don't know, man. Hawaii's kind of taken a little bit of a, a step back in their last few games with where that offense looked when they started. But um, not nah, screw it. Let's stay out west. Let's go ahead and I'm going to stick with Profeli Ashlock uh, out of these three. But it's real close between him and Restrepo for me. I fully agree with you. I, 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 Robert Lewis, I love him. But again, we talked about earlier, Marshall, six against the pass. I think that's somewhat fraudulent, but it's good enough to kind of ward me off when I have two other good options here that he's clearly the third place here. And he's averaged the lowest number of targets over the last three games compared to all three of these guys. I'm just going to go ahead and throw him out as the third option there. Between Ashlock and Restrepo, both of them have averaged 9.3 targets per game over the last three games. They both have been getting the volume. Ashlock's been frustrating recently because he's kind of this year's Chris Thornton where he scored a bunch of touchdowns to start and then just hasn't found the end zone since then. I'm betting he finds the end zone this week. That's got to balance out at some point. He is the slot receiver for that Hawaii offense there. 
That is a, again, just with the absurd number of targets that he's been getting, it's just been bad luck that he hasn't found the end zone. That's going to change this weekend. I would bet money on that. If there's a prop out there that that Ashlock scores a touchdown this weekend, I would take it this weekend. He's the guy I'm going to roll with here. 72nd against the pass for San Diego State versus 43rd against North Carolina, which is kind of surprising. Like, nobody's talking about that North Carolina defense turning around this year, but good on them. That that's I'm exactly go with what I was about. That's that's exactly what I was about to say. Is that surprisingly we're used to seeing San Diego State with kind of this more consistent defense, and they have not been very good on on that side of the ball. And we're used nope. to seeing North Carolina just being, uh, you know, a sieve of a defense, and they've they've been solid. They've had a decent pass rush, and uh, they're they're actually making some plays this year on defense. So that's probably what is pushing me a little bit more towards Ashlock. All righty. And then to answer your question, Austin, again, I think Ashlock's the highest ceiling. I think I would still say the Restrepo is probably the safest to make 20 points because Hawaii has had some dud games this year so far where, again, they've, been, they've struggled to reach 20 offensive points. And that can definitely restrict Ashlock if we get to that point. Miami's had some dud games too on offense, so don't get me wrong. But I think being a little bit closer to UNC in terms of talent level, I think that they'll be able to kind of keep up with them regardless. So just give you a little bit different answer on that than just say Ashlock twice. All right, let's move on to our flex questions here. And we're mostly on time here, so that's good to see. John Ludovina comes up with this next question here. He is asking us in a full PPR league, do we roll with Bucky Irving, the running back out of Oregon, going up against Washington State? Or we can go with Kyrie Robinson, the running back out of San Jose State, going up against New Mexico. Or we can go with Jimmy Horn, the wide receiver of Colorado, going up against Stanford this weekend. I'll start with Kyrie Robinson here. This is a weird dude to follow this year in college fantasy. He has been averaging 11 carries per game but has somehow found the end zone. He is just a dude that finds fantasy points. He is like the anti-my process. Again, I look for guys with high volume. I look for guys that are central to their offenses. And Robinson's just not that guy, but he's, again, finding the end zone somehow. That tells me that this second half of the season, he is absolutely due for some regression over the last couple of games here. Again, It's difficult to find anybody that scores a touchdown every single game, let alone a guy that's barely going over 10 touches per game. He's the obvious sit for me out of these three guys right here. And then initially I was like, okay, this is a little bit tougher between Bucky and Jimmy Horn, especially in a full PPR league. You guys know me, like in a full PPR league, I tend to lean towards wide receivers. But Horn has really calmed down since the start of the season. Like when Colorado first got on the scene, he was one of the dudes that they kept throwing to. Now, they seem to have more options. Again, you got the rise of Michael Harrison, their wide receiver tight end hybrid going on there. Travis Hunter will be coming back here relatively soon. We got uh, Amarian Miller, the true freshman wide receiver, who is kind of mixing the rotation now, and it's impacting Horn quite a bit. In the first three games of the season, Horn had 10.7 targets per game. That has been cut in half the last three games. The last three games, he has had 5.6 targets per game I'm afraid that that might be a trend moving forward especially like I said as some of these other guys rise up and that leaves me with Bucky Irving as Nate said Bucky Irving could be in for a huge game this weekend yes he's only averaging 11 points like 11.7 carries per game that's typically not something I like to deal with 
But Bucky is different in the fact that he is one of the most explosive running backs in the country. He is not a dude that needs a ton of carries to get you what you need on any given week. Last two weeks, granted, is Stanford and Colorado, but he's been averaging 6.8 yards per carry and 8.9 yards per carry. In addition, I watched the um, breakdown from College Football Nerds. They did a great job breaking down the Oregon and Washington game. If for some reason you're not listening, if you listen to us but don't listen to them, definitely go check out their stuff. But one of the things they pointed out that according to their numbers, the biggest mismatch in the Oregon Washington game this weekend is the Oregon run game versus the Washington D line. Bucky could nice. be in for a massive, massive game this week if that ends up being true. It also helps that Bucky does receive quite a bit of balls out of the backfield. He's been averaging three targets per game this season. I bet he goes over that this weekend. I'm fully in on Bucky Irving this weekend. That's not something I typically say. Nate, what are your thoughts, man? I think Bucky's going buck wild, man. I can't wait for this. Uh, I, I think that it's uh, it's the one I would start out of these three. You've already alluded to it. Uh, Washington's given up uh, 122 yards on the ground each game, 14 total touchdowns rushing so far this season, and they have not faced an offense nearly uh, as explosive as what they're going to see with Oregon. Noah Whittington is out. out. They're down to two running backs there at uh, at Oregon. Um, yeah, yeah, obviously uh, Jordan James is going to see some of the goal line carries, which could hinder Irving's upside a little bit there. But I think he's explosive enough to where he doesn't necessarily need to just get the ball down there near the goal line to get you 20 to 25 points this week. So uh, easy choice for me. I'm going Bucky Irving. Over under two and a half, 30 plus yard runs in this game for Bucky Irving. Eight. We'll count receptions. This uh, boy, three 30 yard runs would be pretty wild. Um, Probably not three, but probably probably a couple, for sure. And uh, I think he's he's going to have enough chunk plays, and uh, would not shock me at all if a couple of those are touchdowns. For sure, I'm glad, I'm glad we're seeing eye to eye here. All right, let's move it over to the next flex question here. We're getting to the end here. Goose asking us in a half point PPR league. Jalen White running back out of Georgia Southern going up against James Madison, or we can go Jawar Jordan running back out of Louisville, not the wide receiver out of Pittsburgh. I'm not sure what I did with the graphic there. Anyway, and then the third option here, Sam Wiggles, the wide receiver out of Ohio, going up against NIU. Nate, throwing it over to you, man. Which of these three guys are you starting in a half-point PPR league? You are, Jordan. Um, I don't want to jinx it because I kind of need this guy to go off this week for me. Um, but he is uh, he's somebody that has kind of gone off just about every week, except for maybe one, I think, this entire season. So, uh, yeah, I'm going uh, I'm going Jawar Jordan. That Pittsburgh defense has not been uh, a, a normal Pittsburgh defense. And he's just so explosive, man. He he doesn't need to touch it any more than a handful of times a game to be effective. And now they're giving the ball to him way more than a handful of times. So oh, yeah. uh, he's, he's my easy choice right here. Um, I think, I think the other two are are both solid plays, mm -hmm. but, um, but I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm going to go with the track record right now. And Jawar Jordan has been a top, I mean, he's got to be a top six, seven running back in the country right now for fantasy purposes. He's been amazing. So I think he's top three three at the moment i'll have to go back and check later uh but yeah he, he's just been absolutely explosive and like i've been i called it the start of the season i'm just like they're not giving this dude enough carries they need to give him more carries and louisville finally listened and he's been absolutely fantastic for fantasy ever since then dude, if you can't tell by my side go ahead 
I was say you can get for what you can go for 150 on Notre Dame. You got to have some faith that he's going to be able to put up similar numbers against Pitt, right? Oh, for sure. Again, he's my he's my easy start here. Again, like I said, this is a top five running back in the country right now for fantasy. You got to keep riding that. Again, these yeah. ACC defenses don't seem to be able to stop him very well. The only team in the last four games that has been able to stop him was NC State. Not sure what happened there. Again, he was averaging two yards per rush. It's a complete off day. If that happens again, it's just a bad luck in my opinion. It's just not been the norm for him so far this season. Jalen Wyatt, I'm sitting. He's been banged up. Only 12 touches last week against Coastal Carolina. I'm not sure what his health status is. Maybe he go- he does well this weekend. But when my other option is Jawar Jordan, I'm going with that. And then Sam Wiggles, I think this is a good matchup for Sam Wiggles. And again, in the half PPR league, I think he will do well there. But kind of simply put, both Jordan and Wiggles have some risk then. Like as we see, as we saw two weeks ago with Jawar Jordan, he can put up a stinker. That's possible for him. So can Sam Wiggles. Sam Wiggles has had target uh, games where he was targeted three times and targeted four times, twenty yards each of those games. Absolutely rough games for Sam Wiggles there. But if you're going to w- risk a bust with either one of those two players, the ceiling so far this year for Sam Wiggles has been 15 fantasy points. The ceiling with Jawar Jordan has been 40. I know which one I'm going to ride with there. So, again, sorry, Sam, but we're riding. We, we ride with Jawar Jordan. Nate, you were talking about how you were wishing that you took, more, you took that last Taj Brooks share. Jawar Jordan was the guy that I wish. I, mm-hmm. I drafted a ton of him start the season i was really big on him but as the season went along i'm like nah if if, if it really does if it, it does become the maurice turner show or it does like it does become like a super split backfield like i could be really screwed there especially in best ball leagues man now i wish i drafted him everywhere he is so so phenomenal we people did not put enough faith in the the history that brahm has with his running backs oh yeah it's actually pretty good. We we everybody thinks he's just this big air raid guy that doesn't like to hand the ball off and, and all this. That's not true. Go look at what he did at Western Kentucky. Go look at what he did with some really, really mediocre backs at Purdue and made them relevant with uh what was his name? Horvath and then Maccabi. I mean, yep. those those are not great running backs that he made fantasy relevant there. Oh yeah, look at Maccabi this year. He's got a massive fumbling problem. Yeah, it's it's been ugly. All righty, let's go with um, two tight end questions. We can get through these pretty quickly, I think. <clears throat> First one comes to us from Shady Sports. He's asking us to start between Mitchell Evans, uh, tight end out of Notre Dame, going up against USC, or we can go Michael Harrison, the wide receiver slash tight end hybrid, hybrid, excuse me, not hybrid, hybrid out of Colorado, going up against Stanford, or we got Isaac Rex, the tight end out of BYU, going up against TCU. I think all three of these options are good. I think you said you've assembled yourself a really nice tight end room here, Shady, in a year where the tight end has been very, very detrimental to most fantasy teams outside of people who had Brock Bowers or people who drafted Dallin Holker everywhere. Me. Um, <laughs> sorry. This is this this has been an episode where I've just been tooting my own horn a lot. Maybe I maybe I need to get humbled this week. Anyway. Um out of these three guys, I'm still going to roll with Mitchell Evans. Again, he has 7.3 targets per game in the last three games, 70-plus in all of them. He has been a, become a key component for this Notre Dame passing attack right here. Yes, they spread the ball around a ton, but I was wrong on Evans. I thought he would be more of a blocking guy, and then when Stays started doing well to start the year, I'm like, okay, yeah, Evans is totally done for now. Now He's been phenomenal the last couple of weeks. He got that incredible, and I mean incredible, matchup against USC there. I think he could go bananas this weekend. 
Got uh, Michael Harrison. I think he's also a really good pick. Again, Stanford's defense isn't great. He's seen 7.7 targets per game so far this year. But he also hasn't hit 50 yards since Colorado State. He's been very touchdown dependent when you need him to be in fantasy. I'm not going to rely on that when I have the other option of Mitchell Evans. And then Isaac Rex, plus week last week, probably a fluke. When I But when I have two other good options like Evans and Harrison, he becomes easily the third option for me here. So I'm going to go with Evans out of these three. Nate, who are you rolling with? Well, first off, kudos to Shady Sports because this uh, this is a really nice tight end room. Uh, I wish I had a tight end room that looked like this because uh, this is solid. We, I, you asked me earlier, uh, what did I think of some receiving options in for Notre Dame against USC? And I totally uh, overlooked the fact that Mitchell Evans is there. Yeah, that's a really, really strong option. However, I think I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to go. My, I'm going to go Michael Harrison here. We haven't disagreed much today. Uh, but I'll leave shady sports with uh, a tough decision to make, but man, this is a guy that last week had 10 targets for Colorado was their leading target getter. So, um, I think that's important. I still don't think Hunter plays this week. Um, so, but if he does, that could kind of impact it. And maybe I would shift my, my thoughts over towards Evans because we've seen Michael Harrison take off when Hunter kind of went down. That's when we saw his, his ascension there. Um, Stanford, 305 yards per game given up through the air with their defense. So I think Colorado is going to throw the ball all over them. This is kind of a get right game for Colorado. They've struggled the last few weeks. So I could see them trying to, you know, put a 50 burger on the board against uh, Stanford. And I could see, you know, Harrison being somebody that has a pretty significant role in that. So I'll go Harrison here. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Again, one thing I do want to point out real quick with Michael Harrison versus Mitchell Evans is I kind of I pointed out the fact that Mitchell Evans has had 70 plus yards in the last three games. Michael Harrison hasn't hit 50, even though they have similar target numbers. And the reason for that is just how far down the field these offenses are targeting them. Michael Harrison has an average depth of target of 5.1, very much more of a dump off option for Shador Sanders, which makes a lot of sense given the fact that Shador Sanders is constantly running for his life versus Mitchell Evans is a big part of this downfield passing attack for Notre Dame right now. Given that we have two good defensive matchups, that still makes me lean towards Evans right there. Just another data point I wanted to throw out there real quick. Anyway. Yeah, I, I don't think you can go wrong either way. No, I don't think so. Uh, let me throw this back there. One last question here. This one comes to us from Justin Nottingham. Uh, from Again, not, not to rag on Justin here, but... Uh, a little bit tougher tight end decision here in terms of who you're going with. Two guys that we probably liked preseason, um, but, you know, still rolling with these guys. Bryson Nesbitt, tight end out of UNC, going up against Miami this weekend. Or we can go RJ Maryland, the tight end out of SMU, who's going up against Eastern Carolina this weekend. Nate, which of these two guys are you going to go with, man? Nesbitt had a little bit of a bounce back game last week, um, but I still don't know that I trust it. I still don't know that there's consistency there. Um, I think I'm going to go RJ Maryland and uh, and his matchup against ECU, which I think is pretty strong. So, but you know, like you said, this boy he doesn't have the same scenario that uh, that Shady Sports had with our last uh, with our last option there. So it's it's kind of a, a tougher one. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll go RJ Maryland and, uh, and, and go for the upside of what SMU could maybe do against that ECU defense. 
Yeah, these guys are so tough right here. And like Bryson Nesbitt's actually averaging one more target per game than RJ Maryland, which is probably why I might lean him there. Both of these teams are expected to put up around 30 points according to Vegas. So again, I, I, I was hoping that might be the tiebreaker there a little bit to like maybe it'll be like, okay, this guy's got more scoring opportunity than the other. Nope, both of them expected to score 30 points here. Um, Eastern Carolina, at least according to fan tracks, again, I don't know how much I trust this stat, but apparently they are 91st versus tight end. So maybe that's another point advantage for RJ Maryland right there. Um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll just agree with you, Nate. I'll go with RJ Maryland just, just to make it a little bit easier on Justin for this one. Because I thought about just going the other way just to make it a, a, a disagreement. Because uh, it is close between these two guys, but I, this is, I, I'm still going to go with RJ. This is one we could have used the model on. Yeah, I... I no, we don't have time. Um, <laughs> I, I, I thought about I thought about bringing it up for a second. Um, anyway, you can get just uh, message Nottingham what the model would have uh, what the model would have spit out. No, later I, on. Yeah, I, I would love to see what the model has on this one. Anyway, that is the end of our show right there. Nate, it is a pleasure to have you back on, sir. Again, understandable life gets in the way. We miss having you around over here. You are doing great work for Campus of Canton, though. During the offseason, you are putting out a weekly article. Tell the people out there who may not be reading our articles on Campus of Canton, which shame on you if you are not. Um, mm -hmm. But if you aren't and you need to hear a quick little pep talk from Nate on why you should, Nate, what kind of articles are you putting out right now, man? Yeah, the main thing I do right now is just a weekly article called Pulse of the CFF Nation. Uh, and it just kind of it's Andrew Katz probably put it best on Twitter. It's just kind of uh, me trying to get my brain thoughts into one little article. And, uh, and, and there's a lot of randomness to it. Uh, but I think that there's there's some actionable information. I think that there's there's stuff that you can take from it and, and put it into play with your lineups, with your roster management and stuff like that. Just some trends that I'm noticing that maybe aren't standing out quite as much uh, and just some of the things that are that are just kind of happening that that are ringing a bell for me and setting off some some red flags and i just kind of want to bring it to everybody's attention and and really just kind of throw it out there for everybody so that's that's what i do each week and you can check that out it usually lands sometime around thursday afternoon something like that i enjoy the hell out of those articles Nate. it, it, it is Good. fun to, it is fun to read along with you or yeah. read read those along with you and Again, it's our job as CFF contators to do the hard work for other people so that they don't have to spend as much time researching. Those articles are literally Nate's research spark notes. That is what they are. And he really does a great job of kind of breaking down what are the most interesting, what are the most important stat lines that you could find this week. But he makes it a lot easier on all of you guys out there that, you know, have other things to do with your lives. So great stuff from Nate over there. Again, here at CTN. Um, we got plenty more weeks ahead of us. Again, I am going to be putting out a tweet on the Chasing Natty Twitter uh, asking for your feedback on the show so far this year. I do this every year, a little mid-season survey. Want to hear from you guys, so make sure you turn on notifications for that account so that you can make your voice heard as soon as that is there. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled program next week with the Waiver Wire show on Monday and the it starts again on wednesday we do that every week but until then appreciate all of you guys out there appreciate you nate and i hope every single one of you have a blessed weekend see y'all